con los dedos de la mano derecha, pero no... Y la orquesta. Are you familiar with the shiver on your neck that denotes forbidden discovery? And I will try to knock the goat down and drop its heart rate. Dozens of people have reported seeing the light from Canberra to the Gold Coast. The quiet thrill that can only come when your curiosity is truly satisfied. There's things in the sky, there's flying saucers in the sky. People came to Roswell, New Mexico from all over the world. That undying certainty that you are experiencing something extraordinary. Modern science was founded by an angel. If you can hear my voice, you are not alone. I am Bannister, and this is Mysterious and Unusual Events. holiday season is here and we have never seen as much weird phenomena or at the very least recorded weird phenomena in any other time in history there are stories out there that people don't know about but there are stories out there that people do know about and are recorded documented there are documentaries blogs and I feel like I'll be doing a disservice to us if I don't talk about these mass UFO sightings. I'm just gonna warn you right now, I will be taking a break after this from UFO stories and talk about more strange human esoteric tales in history. So sit back and relax and welcome to Highway Babylon's mysterious unusual events, mass UFO sightings. The News of the World, Wednesday, February 25th. Once again, Columbia's correspondents in world capitals and in the fighting zones in the Western Pacific are ready to give you the latest news direct by shortwave radio. And now for news of our own West Coast, we take you to Los Angeles and the report of Byron Palmer. Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific wartime this morning. The anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object, which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. Army officials declined to comment on the possibility that the object might have been a blimp. However, it required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 25 miles 
far slower than an airplane. Watchers on the rooftop of the Columbia Broadcasting Building in the heart of Hollywood could plainly see the flashes of guns and searchlights sweeping the skies in a white arc along the coastal area. Concussion of the shells could be felt in downtown Los Angeles, 15 miles away. U.S. Army planes quickly took to the dark sky, but whether they contacted the object has not been announced. Army officials say they will not comment until they receive a full report of the action. Although some watchers say they saw airplanes in the air, semi-official sources say they probably were the U.S. Army's pursuit. Several observers say they saw one or more planes spotlighted by 20 or 30 searchlights. The object moved southward, presumably over Huntington Park at the western edge of Los Angeles, and on southward to about Long Beach on the coast. By 3.30 a.m., observers said the object appeared to be over the south of Long Beach. Searchlights closely followed the object down the coast and kept it centered in their glare. Shells frequently could be seen bursting near the object, but none appeared to hit it. The shooting stopped about 3.30 a.m. The shooting brought warfare to the front door of this city of a million and a quarter population for the first time since December 7th. Already, it was alert to the presence off the Southern California coast of a Japanese submarine which had pumped 25 shells into an oil field north of Santa Barbara Monday evening. Because of the presence of the submarine, a three-hour alert was ordered at dusk last night, and civilian authorities stood at their posts while the Army and Navy continued their search for the submersible. The evening alert ended at 10.23 p.m., but another was sounded at 2.22 a.m., and the blackout followed within three minutes. It covered Los Angeles County from Santa Monica to Pomona. At 2.27, all Southern California radio stations were ordered off the air, except those in San Diego. Approximately 20 minutes after the firing died down, the ship returned and headed westward from Long Beach toward Santa Monica. The guns went into action again, hurling round after round of shells at the object. The second barrage appeared to be closer to downtown Los Angeles since watchers could hear the concussion of the guns more clearly and the flash of bursting shells was brighter. Then the ship disappeared for the second time over the ocean. We return you now to CBS in New York. What you just heard was a radio broadcast by Byron Palmer, an actor that reported on the story of the Battle of Los Angeles, aired through the Columbia broadcasting system on February 26, 1942. On the 25th of February 1942, approximately 3 a.m., a haunting explosion of anti-aircraft gunshots echoed throughout the night sky of Los Angeles. U.S. intelligence seemed validated in its fears by the raids from the Imperial Japanese Army Air Service. Despite the apparent invisibility of the threat, the streets of Los Angeles were pitch black when the shells and overhead searchlights were being used. Witnesses, both military and civilian, reported seeing multiple flying objects while the US artillery rounds were fired approximately 1,430 times. Nothing appeared to be affected or shot down by the anti-aircraft guns, but Los Angeles suffered a blackout until 7.21 a.m. when radar detected something big enough to cause it. As soon as 
the first alert was given. Artillery fire continued until 4.14 a.m. At least three people were injured when their cars crashed during the blackout and two other people suffered cardiac arrest. The incidents resulted in the deaths of five people. Newspapers such as the Los Angeles Times reported sightings of Japanese aircraft down the Californian coast. LA was assumed to be the next in line after Pearl Harbor because of the high level of alert after the attack. A submarine sighting two days earlier provided further evidence that the Japanese had conducted an air raid, but it fails to account for the lack of actual wreckage after the blackout since no actual debris was seen or found shot down. A few civilians have claimed to have seen a Japanese aircraft, but illusions of light can explain the many hallucinations or glimpses of the object that may not be real. It is likely that anti-aircraft gunners could easily have identified a flyover with the Los Angeles searchlights, absent wreckages. Hearing rumors about a Japanese aircraft carrier sighting off the coast of Oakland, the city shut down its schools and declared a blackout. Allied aircraft pilots referred to UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, observed over European and Pacific areas as Foo Fighters. The Nazis believed the strange lights to be a breakthrough weapon as they danced around aircraft and changed their colors. It has been reported that some of the objects arrived close enough to cause engine problems. Due to reports about these balls of light, Beginning around November 1944, the Battle of Los Angeles may have seen the first ever encounter with Foo Fighters. This theory has gained popularity due to government silence, eyewitness testimony, and a contradictory letter by General George C. Marshall, eight days after the incident. Marshall's report to Roosevelt suggested that the mystery planes may not be from Earth, but rather interplanetary in origin. What about modern stories of this mass sighting phenomena? Well, two comes to mind. The Westall UFO incident in 1966, Melbourne, Australia, and the Ariel School UFO incident in 1999 in Rua, Zimbabwe. Both incidents occurring in school grounds. Witnesses include school children and teachers. On Wednesday, 6th of April, 1966, at around 11 a.m., two to 300 students and teachers witnessed an unexplained flying object above Westall High School, Melbourne, Australia. Hundreds of students claimed that they saw unexplained objects flying overhead as they performed their unbelievable feats in the air before disappearing into the Grange, a nearby grassy paddock Shane Ryan is one of the main researchers that investigated this incident. He says, The strange object was seen around 200 people, most of whom were students at Westall High School, who were out for morning recess. The reports that claim that the object descended into the Grange talks about an open field of wild grass adjacent to the grove of pine trees in the northern westerly direction the object ascended over Clayton South. A huge ring was found in the paddock 
where the object has been seen by other people who ran to the reserve. This object was chased by five light aircraft, according to some witnesses. It left behind an impression in the grass, which Marilyn Smith, who was named Marilyn Eastwood at the time, was a 14-year-old student and followed the objects to the landing site, but found no other traces of the object. In response to this strange event, she made a drawing of this bizarre sighting she witnessed that day and was published in the Dandenong Journal, the only newspaper to report on it at the time. She described a UFO as round, with a hump on the top and round things underneath. The journal wrote that her drawing closely resembles sketches and photographs of other unidentified flying objects reported from many parts of the world. Despite a media ban at Westall High School, she recalls the journal interviewing her and her teacher, Andrew Greenwood. Marilyn Smith still recounts the story in her adulthood in 2017 and told Australia's Bayside News that it all began when a girl bursts into our classroom and screamed a UFO had landed nearby. The teacher told us all to stay in class, but then the bell rang, so we all ran outside. We saw a silver flying saucer hover, then take off at great speed. It was claimed that 147 witnesses spoke to Smith about the circles in the paddocks that were left behind by the flying saucer. Let's take a moment to listen to an interview of Terry Peck, one of the witnesses of this incident telling her account 50 years after the event. Can you tell us what you saw? Yes, Natasha. Um, I was out playing cricket on the Oval at the time and we noticed these three craft hovering above the school, um, which was a bit unusual. They definitely weren't aircraft. And then after about 10 minutes, we saw one go down into an area behind our school called The Grange, where we used to do our cross-country runs. So being a little bit of a rebel, as I was at school, um, I was one of the first to run through and jump over the fence and arrive at the Grange, and it was on the ground in front of me. The, the other two girls had arrived before me, and one was hysterical, Tanya, and the other girl had fainted. So I just looked at it, and after a few minutes, it just raised up above me, probably to about well, 12 feet, turned on its side and went zoom straight up into the air and disappeared almost instantly. And there were two other craft in the air at the time. If you think that was crazy, get ready for this one. 28 years after the mass sightings at Westall, another school was subject to a major UFO event that changed the lives of the witnesses forever. September 16th, 1994. Approximately 62 students aged between six and 12 years old were outside for their morning break in the Ariel School, a private school at 10 a.m. All the teachers were inside having a meeting. On this sunny morning, 
students at the school saw a silver object, in some accounts objects, falling from the sky. On this sunny Zimbabwe morning, these objects moved into a field behind the playground and crashed into a nearby field. The students described the sighting lasting about 15 minutes. A number of kids ran away. Some watched, some even followed these mysterious crafts and claimed to have seen humanoids exiting them. Then, like a bizarre science fiction film, the children were approached by these humanoids. Grey, black-eyed creatures dressed in black and was reported to telepathically communicate to these students with a message about the environment. This is a quote from one of the witnesses. I could see the little man, about a meter tall, was dressed in black, shiny suit. He had long black hair and his eyes, which seemed lower on the cheek than ours, were large and elongated. The mouth was just a slit and the ears were hardly discernible. At this time, a UFO expert named Cynthia Hind said that the cultural differences affected their interpretation of the event. Some of the witnesses believed that the short beings were, and forgive me for my pronunciation here, Tokoloshes and Vikwambos, which belonged to Shona and Debele folklore, which are described as goblin-like creatures. It does make sense thinking about how different folklore in different parts of the world have very similar stories to alien abductions and alien experiences. I can just imagine the confusion and terror that the parents of these students would feel when hearing these stories and and comparing these stories with other parents of that school. Another quote from another student said that they thought at first that the little man in black might have been a person named Mr. Stevens Gardner. But then he saw that the figure had long straight black hair, so he realized that he had made a mistake. So Cynthia Hind publicly acknowledged her own experiences with otherworldly beings in the past and had dedicated the past decade and a half of her life to investigate the UFO sightings on the African continent on behalf of the Mutual UFO Network and then publishing her findings in UFO Afri News. But this wasn't the only phenomena that happened around that time. See, two days earlier, there were reports of anomalies in the sky in the clear nights that believed to be meteor showers. However, Hind claimed to have been given her own reports of sightings of a capsule-like fireball with tails of fire trailing and smaller capsules flanking it. These sightings were seen between Zambia and Botswana. In addition, she received reports of an alien sightings around the same time. A young boy and his mother 
had seen strange beings during daylight. And after that, it was reported that a trucker has seen strange beings while driving at night. On September 16th, Hind received the report from Ariel School, which she records as Case 96. And she describes this as one of the most exciting UFO stories of this or any year. There are documentaries and other media that goes into these mass UFO sightings. The reason why this is a little bit short is because it is the new year, this is Christmas, and also the next few episodes will be about more esoteric themes, just like our episode about visions and contact. All I have to say right now is Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Always look up into the stars. If you see anything, report it to me. <laughs> Let me know about it. And I'll see you in the new year. This is Highway Babylon signing out. <laughs>